0: Raised Sports is a proud member of the StoryHanger Podcast Network. For more information, go to storyhanger.com. Hey friends, I wanted to remind you that in honor of the Major League Baseball playoffs, we're having a fall classic sale. During the entire month of October, our t-shirts are going for 40% off the regular price. All you have to do is go to RaisedSports.com shop, pick yourself out a shirt, Enter the special code CLASSIC at checkout and get yourself a nice 40% discount. It's a great way to support the podcast and have a high-quality t-shirt designed by our friends at Cool Fire Studios. Thank you so much. Now, on with the show.
1: All in all, if you'd have told me a year after I got drafted I'd be in high A, you know, with and done what I've done, you know, I kind of was like, is this as bad as it feels? This month, which I'd felt, you know, like it was the worst I'd pitched ever has resulted in this, then, you know, like I said, it's it's not, not that bad. It's not like career ending.
0: Every young baseball player dreams of taking the field in the major leagues, but even the best find out quickly that it takes more than dreaming to get there. It takes talent, hard work, and even a little bit of luck.
1: There's times where I've you know kind of had things planned in my head and like expected them to go a certain way, um, and they <laughs> they normally don't.
0: Welcome to season two of the Raised Sports Podcast, in which we'll go deep into the minor leagues and follow a prospect as he works towards what he hopes will be a shot at the big leagues.
1: The organization's going to test me, and if I can hold up, then great. If not, then they'll they'll, uh, they'll find somebody else, and that's kind of the nature of the business.
0: He'll endure long bus trips and short paychecks. He'll tinker with his game as the competition gets tougher. And he'll battle through the aches and pains that come with a long season.
1: This is part of the game. I mean, playing, playing a little bit banged up, I mean, you're never going to feel 100% you know, in 140 game season.
0: And along the way, he'll constantly look for any edge to improve his game, to impress, to find a way to advance up the minor league ladder.
1: When I'm at my best is when I'm not thinking too much and I'm just out there to embarrass the hitter for the rest of my career, just out to show the world. And a swing and a miss, strike three. Pumps the fastball past Benson, off in the zone.
0: Episode four. It's not career-ending. As we left our last episode, Cole Yuvala was unhappy with his performance. After his promotion to Advanced A with the Down East Wood Ducks of the Carolina League, he had started off well, but through the bulk of May he had gone through some struggles. After giving up just the second homer of his pro career early in the month, he went through a stretch of five straight appearances in which he allowed at least one run. So he thought about what was going on and what he could do about it, he figured out he had to make some changes, and so he did. He replaced his slider with a curveball, and he worked to keep his fastball higher in the strike zone. He thought that would be a tough combination for hitters, at least in the long run, once he sharpened his curveball and learned to control it better. Naturally, there would be some growing pains as he adjusted to the curve and worked on his command.
1: I need to work more than most. Um, like refining my craft, I'm still kind of like a raw pitcher, I would say. Not really like a very like some some of some of my game has polish, but but definitely not all of it. And I think the command and control part is what needs the most work.
0: But as Cole was working to improve his control, especially of the curveball, there was good stuff happening too. Quite a bit, actually. On May 24th against the Carolina Mudcats. Cole struck out four batters in two scoreless innings. On the 29th against Salem, he whiffed two in one and two-thirds. In all, he allowed just one run over his next seven appearances as the Wood Ducks crept closer to the mid-June All-Star break. The early returns seemed to be showing that the changes he made were working.
1: Righty against righty with Yuvala. Here's the wind in the pitch and a swing and a miss. Good curveball that time from Uvula, and that's a pinch he's been working on as of late.
0: Meanwhile, back in Washington, Cole's father Steve had been deep in a transition of his own. He was getting back into the hobby he loved, drag racing. With Steve's son having started his pro baseball career, and his daughter Ashlyn off to the University of North Dakota playing softball, he had time for racing again. He had bought one of his old cars back from a buddy who'd held onto it for 27 years. Yes, the car predated Cole. Steve started tuning it up, taking it to the track again.
2: It's a white 1967 Camaro called Thumper. And it's got Thumper on down the side of it and a big rabbit painted on it. And it's kind of old school cool and a lot of the kids love it. it's, it's known around and, and whatnot. It's, it's been a race car since 1971, so it's got history.
0: The car has history, just as racing is a part of Steve's history, and in a way, Cole's too. And that history is complex and runs deep. It involves a choice Steve made years ago, one that changed everything, though, as we'll find out, not forever. Sometimes, things can come full circle. That's what happened on June 2nd, 2019. It was a Sunday. Cole was with his downeast team in Virginia for a series against the Lynchburg Hillcats. Steve was in Walla Walla, in the southeast corner of Washington State, for a drag racing event. He had Thumper there, and he was signed up to compete in the sportsman class. The sportsman class is a little different from what you typically might see on TV when you think about drag racing. It's not just about pouring money into your car to make it the biggest, baddest, fastest car on the track. In these races, the cars are handicapped against each other. Basically, if your car gets down the quarter-mile track a second faster than your opponent, then your opponent gets a one-second head start. It evens the playing field, so typically the best driver should win regardless of who has the faster car. As Steve starts prepping for what he hopes will be a long day at the track, he texts Cole across the country to let him know how things are going. The field is set up kind of like the NCAA basketball tournament, in that it's a bracket. If you win, you advance. If you lose, your day is done. The winner on this day would have to win five straight races to earn the trophy.
2: Well, I was sending him texts during the day, hey, I'm at the drags, this is what's going on, and, you know, keeping him kind of updated, you know, and after I won my second round, I come back to the pits and I go, huh, this could be my day.
0: Steve's passion for cars goes way back. For him, it was both a career and a hobby. He started out selling them and motorcycles, too. He had his own small dealership for a time and a used car lot for several years. His last job, before retiring in 2018, was sales manager of a GMC, Chevy, Cadillac, Buick store. He loved late model cars and classic cars, and for fun, he got into racing. Steve made an attempt to share his passion with Cole. He took him to drag races, then he took it a step further. He got him his own car.
2: I bought him a Junior Dragster, which is a, a drag race car for kids, and they're, they're a third scale, they got Briggs & Stratton motors in them, they have a class for them, and a lot of young racers start in there as early as like six, seven years old. And I bought him one, and we raced it up and down the driveway, we had a 600-foot paved driveway, and he learned how to drive it, do the whole thing.
0: But Cole didn't really take to it. He got into sports, but racing just didn't seem to grab him.
1: I just didn't really take much of an interest in it, and um, my dad, you know, kind of recognized that by the time I was like 9 or 10, and then one day I looked at him and said, do you think you're
2: ever going to want to take this to the drags? he looked at me and goes, I don't think so, Dad. You want me to sell it? He goes, yeah, sell it. I said, okay. You'd rather play baseball? He goes, yep, yep, rather play baseball, and I went, okay, cool.
1: <laughs> by that time I was starting to get into more competitive sports, uh, AAU basketball and travel baseball.
2: It's funny, Cole didn't get the car bug from me at all. Um, He got the the, the sports bug, the baseball bug.
0: Steve remembers playing baseball, too, as a kid. He loved the game, but he always felt like baseball was a community thing, and he craved that support from his parents. But as the oldest of five kids in an era when parents perhaps weren't quite as involved as they are now, he didn't really get that support he wanted. So ultimately, he gravitated towards cars and racing— so he could still be competitive, but he could do it in a more solitary way.
2: This was different in the 60s and 70s growing up, you know. Kids did mm-hmm. all their sports by themselves. You know, parents stayed home. Very few of them went to the ball games. Always wished my parents would came, you know, but they never did. And so, you know, as you, you, again, it's, you know, things get tough and you don't really like, you know, you're not getting to be a hero. You move on, right? Well. Um, I found other interests, and cars were something I could do on my own and be competitive with.
0: Steve remembered that feeling, so he didn't mind that Cole wasn't into cars too much. If he loved baseball, then baseball it would be. It wouldn't just be Cole's focus, it would be Steve's too. He wasn't going to let his son do it alone. Racing was time-consuming, and it was expensive. So he put his drag car up for sale and prepared to take a new path.
2: It was a 1981 Camaro. Um, it was a, a drag race car. It was an expensive car. It was very well done and and it was beautiful. It was a showpiece. And we took it to the races and I put a for sale sign on it. And I a guy comes over and says, I wanna buy your car. And I'm sitting in it, knowing this is probably my last run. And Cole's nine years old. He walks over to me and says, uh, it's okay, Daddy. He says, says, you can get another one someday. I know you will. And I looked at him with a big smile. I said, you're right, son. I said, it's time to do something else. And we sold the car. And I didn't have another one for years.
0: You could say that Steve sacrificed his passion in order to help Cole chase his, which is true. But you could also simply say that he adjusted to the circumstances that life presented, and he did what he had to do for the good of his son and the family. When life throws a little wrinkle at you, you change things up. You figure out what you have to do, and you do it. Steve did this years ago, but that didn't mean he gave up on his passion completely. He just kind of hit the pause button. So fast forward back to June 2nd, 2019. Steve was back at the drags, sitting in thumper, blazing down the track. After winning his second heat, he thought he might have a shot at the trophy. Then he took his third heat and his fourth and found himself in the final. It was all a blur on that final trip down the track that day, and he was overcome with emotion when he crossed the finish line first. He was back.
2: Uh, I got to the finish line, and I saw my wind light come on. I... It was pretty exciting. It pretty emotional and, you know, just you know, it, it was it was pretty cool. Wish, you know, Cole could have been there to see it, you know, but he sent me a neat text afterwards and and he was pretty excited.
1: It was like a really special moment for for me because looking back, you know, he he gave up, you know, his passion for me. It was really cool for him to um, you know, win again for the first time in 20 years, and it just took a lot of, you know, a lot of time um on his part to basically get me where I am today, you know, and he was always, like, unbelievably supportive of my dreams, and he put, always put me first, and that's why, you know, when he did win again, it was kind of, like, really cool, you know, I actually, he always tells me, like, how proud of, uh proud of me he is, and, you know, I was like, I, I you know, when he won, I told you know you got to finally tell him you know how proud of <laughs> proud of him I was. That so was cool.
0: They celebrated together on the phone, but there was something else to look forward to. Steve had a trip plan. He was going to visit Cole in North Carolina later that week. The drag race victory was a big moment for both Steve and Cole and a reason for both of them to reflect on their journey and to appreciate how far they had come. It was also around this time that Cole took a moment to look back at his career numbers as a pitcher and to reflect. He doesn't typically like looking at his stats during the season, but in this case it turned out to be a good thing, because what he saw surprised him and gave him a major dose of perspective. Even after pitching in May what he considered to be the worst month of his professional career, things actually weren't so terrible. His ERA of 3.05 was higher than he wanted, for sure, and he was walking too many guys, 15 and 20 and two-thirds innings. But he had also struck out 28, and batters were hitting just 194 against him.
1: And I looked, and I was like, geez, you know, I mean all in all, if you'd have told me a year after I got drafted, I'd be in high A, you know, with and done what I've done, it's like, you know, I kind of was like, this isn't as bad as it feels. And I was just like, you know, if this month, which had felt, you know, like it was the worst I'd pitched ever, has resulted in this, then, you know, like I said, it's, it's not, not that bad. It's not like career-ending.
0: What felt like a devastating situation really wasn't devastating at all. Cole had seen an issue, had made some adjustments with the pitches he used and how he threw them, and he had survived the blip in May. And now, in addition to his strategic physical changes, he knew he could benefit from a mental change as well.
1: I kind of got into a defensive mindset where I wanted to, which is natural when you have a little bit of failure, like I wanted to like try to just pinpoint all my pitches and kind of survive. And I've kind of gotten back to just, like I said, kind of trying to embarrass the hitter and throw the ball by him and get him to swing at balls in the dirt and, and just it's amazing what some confidence and some, uh, just a completely different mindset will do.
0: As I mentioned, Steve traveled to Kinston, North Carolina later that week after his drag race triumph to watch Cole and the Wood Ducks in a four-game home series against the Frederick Keys. There wasn't a ton of time to hang out with the Wood Ducks playing every day, but they got to spend time together before games, go get some breakfast. If it was a day game, they'd go out for dinner. They're close and they talk a lot. It's easy going. They also have a way of talking baseball. Steve doesn't coach, really. He knows Cole has enough of those already. But he watches things. He makes observations. And when the time is right, he shares those observations.
2: You've got to pick your spots to be heard. And you've got to make suggestions you can't tell them. And I learned it from him because when he was 10, 12, 14 years old, he'd have a funky game. And I'd be wanting to fix it in the car ride home. Well, you can't fix it in the car ride home. All you do is make it worse. Because they know that they didn't do what they wanted to do better than anybody on the planet. But three days later, two days later in the batting cage, you can go, you know, when you were doing this, this is what happened. You go, he'll, And they would go, he would go, really? And I'd go, yeah. Well, I didn't learn that until he was about 15 or 16 years old.
0: <laughs> and so Steve once again had noticed something, a little nugget of information. So they were hanging out, having lunch together, talking, pitching, and Steve picked his spot.
1: My dad was kind of just made like a comment where he was like, yeah, it's like, it seems like you walk the first hitter of every inning and then you kind of figure it out and you kind of like wake up and then start throwing your normal strikes. And I kind of thought about it and I was like, well, I wonder how much that has to do with the windup.
0: Something kind of clicked for Cole in that moment. He considered a couple of things. For one, relievers often come into games with runners on base already and have to pitch out of the stretch anyway. And secondly, his velocity never seemed to suffer without the full windup. So he thought about it and decided to ditch his windup. Just pitch out of the stretch all the time. Cole's next three outings, zero walks, six strikeouts, and three and a third innings.
1: It's been a lot better just getting ahead and throwing more strikes. And um, As a relief pitcher, you know, a windup isn't all that common anyways. So it was probably a transition that was going to come for me down the road, and it was one I just kind of made on my own that, I'm, you know, I'm really happy with right now. So.
0: Cole enjoyed his time with his father, then started looking ahead to the All-Star break, which was coming up in the middle of June. He wouldn't be pitching in the game, but that was okay because it meant he could return to Washington to spend some time with his fiancée, Kayla, and their dog, Lola. But the three days off wouldn't be that much of a break. He wanted to get into the gym. He had some things to work on, a curveball to refine. Things were going well, and he wanted to keep the momentum going. His time away from the Wood Ducks would not be a vacation. Cole had righted the ship. He had overcome his May struggles, made adjustments to his game, and seen results on the field. Life had thrown him a wrinkle, and he'd figured out what changes he had to make to iron things out, just like he had through other challenges in life, just like his father Steve had done years before. It's not career-ending, indeed. Thanks for listening to the Raised Sports Podcast. This episode was written and produced by me, Bob Harkins. Music credits go to Jazar, Juanitos, and Soda Costica, and the theme song comes from D.L. Sounds. Special thanks, as always, to Cole Uvila for letting me follow along with him throughout the 2019 season, and also to Steve Uvila for taking part in this episode. And speaking of Steve, go to RaisedSports.com if you'd like to see a picture of his car, Thumper, it's definitely, as he would say, old school cool. So check it out. Coming up in episode five, Cole uses the all-star break to return to driveline baseball and work on refining his pitches. He'll share the story of how he got connected with the company and the impact it had and continues to have on his development.
1: Well, he's like, hey, like, I want you to meet this guy. He plays magic and also plays baseball. Like, I think you'd like him. I was like, cool. So uh, I drive down to Puyallup from Lakewood, and I walk into this attic and introduce myself to Kyle, and then we just sit and talk for like an hour. You know, we talk about baseball and magic.
0: Thanks for listening. Have a great day.